Welcome back, Dad, to the Father and Son Pastoral Podcast. This is podcast number 10 from the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament. Uh, Today's podcast is entitled Jesus and the Woman at the Well, or as I like to call it, Jesus and the Bad Samaritan, Hmm. which is taken from John 4, 4 through 30. Uh, I always like calling it Jesus and the Bad Samaritan, but I know once we post it online, no one will ever find that. <laughs> so you keep it the woman at the well. Exactly. But I kind of like that. Um, you doing well with everything? Doing fine. I I just self-chuckle here because every time I think of Jesus and the woman at the well, I remember a story I heard back in Bible college about the pastor who was doing premarital counseling. And he wanted to give a Bible as a gift to the couple for their wedding. And he meant to write down 1 John 4.18, which says, perfect love casts out fear. Accidentally, he wrote John 4.18. And can you imagine a couple on there after uh, opening a wedding gifts, thou hast had five husbands, and the one you have is now not your husband. So I'm sorry, every time I get here, I go, okay, but I'm doing good. Thank you. Pretty good. So. Yeah. So uh, today's main question is, what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Mm. That is incredibly relevant today. Yes. Um, I think you have a lot of people worship in spirit. Mm-hmm. I think you have a lot of people worship in truth, but do you do both? That's right. <laughs> and it looks That's like right. it's a package deal. That's right. So I'm not going to go too much into the background, but as we looked at this text, as we learned from our last podcast, which I encourage you to listen to, a little mm-hmm. plug, Please. if you missed it. Jesus was busy preaching, and his disciples were baptizing, and his ministry had outgrown John's ministry. Mm -hmm. But all of this came to a screeching halt all of a sudden. Why? Because John was arrested by the Romans, and the things were now heating up because Mm -hmm. the Pharisees were turning their attention to Jesus since John had been removed. So Jesus leaves for Galilee, so he's way down here south, Mm -hmm. and he's going to go way up here. But to get to Galilee... But he has to cut through Samaria. Exactly. So as you and I know, we always hear this, as I referenced before, Mm. but uh, good Jews don't go to Samaria. That's right. And we're going to see why in a little bit. So just him going through Samaria is kind of amazing. Let's just jump right to it. Verse Mm -hmm. 4 says, he had to travel through Samaria. Uh, The details aren't clear. The text implies that Jesus had to travel, Mm -hmm. um, which I think kind of hints at a divine appointment between the son and the woman at the well. Um, what? Why do you think that's there? Uh, that little verb intrigued me. And I started just looking up references where the New King James says, but he needed to hmm. go through Samaria. I think it's a divine appointment. I think that's what you were suggesting there. In John 3, 14, when Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus, same word is used. Jesus says, even so must. Mm-hmm. It is necessary. It is it is imperative that the Son of Man be lifted up. I think Jesus was in contact with his father. I think he had divine um, appointments, and I, I think this is one of them. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Really makes sense. I remember I, I preached yeah. this, mm-hmm. oh, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, I learned a lot from this passage. So, But you really see as you're studying the life of Jesus, all these divine appointments. Yes. He just understood the Father's will and did it. Mm-hmm. So um, he had to travel through Samaria. Let me give some reasons why the Jews hated the Samaritans. Mm-hmm. Uh, it always saddens me because when I work with their youth, 
a lot of them think racism is new. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. whites hate blacks, blacks hate whites, Hispanics, whatever. Yeah. And and they think it's kind of an exclusive thing to America. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, our schools were not educating very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a fact that we're very close to Baltimore. And it was something like 23 schools in Baltimore were not proficient in math. They were zero yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. So that tells you about history. But racism has been around forever. Hatred yeah. has been yeah. around, you know, since Cain and Abel. So you could even say before that was Satan. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see that the Jews really hated the Samaritans mm-hmm. with the passion. And here are a couple reasons. The Samaritans were not full-blooded Jews. Mm-hmm. They were half Gentile and half Jew due to the Assyrian captivity. The nation of Assyria conquered the northern kingdom of Israel in 722. Mm-hmm. Another reason. The Samaritans refused to work with Ezra and Nehemiah and attempted to stop the temple and the walls from being rebuilt. Mm-hmm. You remember Ezra and Nehemiah, That's those true. letters that were sent to the king. Yeah. Um, they were they were part of that. So there was some ill will, we'll put mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Samaritans could not provide their genealogies, so they were forbidden from worship with the Jews. Mm-hmm. In other words, they would have to worship with the Gentiles. Yeah. They, they weren't even permitted into the court of the women, right. uh, which shows you that uh, um, they were considered less than women yeah. to the Jewish society, which is, which is saying a lot right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were disgusted that their Jewish brothers viewed them as unclean Gentiles. Yeah. So the Samaritans built their own temple and created their own form of worship. Mm-hmm. But the Jews would later destroy their temple. Yeah. <laughs> so, a lot going on, yeah. You nail it. It's nothing new to be yeah. racist. A little connection uh, we've been watching through the series The Chosen, last episode. And Jesus, and a little bit of this is, of course, ad-libbed. Uh, with all the, the Gentiles brought in, you know, Nabataeans, Arabs, and you had Samaritans, and you had this, and you had, gen, you know, Gentiles. And, but you're watching it, and you're going, the Jews were called to be a light to the world, and they flunked. Mm-hmm. They really they did. did. They'd failed the test. And I was just working through, as I'm, I'm writing a commentary on Ephesians, and I, my heart just celebrated when I studied Ephesians 2.11, uh, through 22, how the Jew and the Gentile have oh, become one, one body, and only Christ can produce this kind oh. of unity. And so this is nothing new as far as the hatred and the animosities oh. between peoples, groups that's gone on since the start of time. Yeah. And I think for me, racism is such a stupid thing. Yeah. I think when you've been in Christ for a while, you're like, we're all one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Every culture, they have issues. Yeah. Every culture has positive and negatives. That's right. we, we admit that. Yeah. But uh, to not like one people just because of their color is so stupid. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's what we have going here. That's right. So uh, the Samaritans only held to the first five books of the Bible. Wow. <laughs> I guess they didn't like Ezra and Nehemiah with their history in there. <laughs> so uh, uh, there are many other differences. Uh, there are stories of Jews and Samaritans harassing each other. Yeah. When Jesus was a boy, yeah. a group of Samaritans scattered human bones in the temple courtyard. I bet that caused a little stir. There. Yes. yes. <laughs> so that's when Jesus was young. Mm-hmm. And then, as I mentioned, the Jews retaliated and burned down the Samaritan temple. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're attacking each other's religious places, you hate someone. You hate There's someone. no respect. You're kind of going for the yeah. jugular. 
So uh, the Pharisees also hated the Samaritans, surprise, surprise. And they would insult Jesus by calling him a Samaritan Mm -hmm. in John 8. So yeah, to be called a Samaritan wasn't a good thing. Why are we telling this? Jesus is going through the area. Yeah, you want to read uh, first five for me? Absolutely. A sip of coffee. Uh, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And from my research, it looks like around Genesis forty-eight twenty-two mm-hmm. is possibly when Jacob gave uh, Joseph this well. It's possible, mm-hmm. but we're not. We don't know for sure. Exactly. Uh, Jacob's well was there. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I remember I preached that this deals a lot with Jesus' humanity. Mm. It was midday. He was walking. He was tired. Uh, This is also him leaving the area down south where Mm -hmm. he was busy with his disciples baptizing and preaching. So Mm -hmm. this might be his first break he's had. And he's just tired. Mm -hmm. So he's basically going to say, you know, disciples, go get me food. I'm going to stay right here. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how it appears, because obviously being divine, he knows what's coming. But a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink. Mm-hmm. Jesus said to her, mm-hmm. because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot packed into that one statement yes. that we as Americans might miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, the Jewish rabbis taught that a good Jew would never defile themselves by anything from a Samaritan or from t- talking to a Samaritan. Mm. So think what Jesus just did in those right. two verses. Yeah. The first thing he says is go and buy bread from a Samaritan town. Mm-hmm. So he was defiling from the Pharisees' standpoint, um, his disciples. Mm-hmm. And second of all, he is talking to a woman. Yeah. And not just a woman, but a Samaritan woman. And uh, I have it written down here. Um, I said, second, rabbis also taught, and how can I say this politely, that Samaritan women were always on their period, thus they were always unclean and would defile those around them. So basically they said, you can't can't even be around these women because they're just so filthy. Um, And Jesus breaks that. So he gets bread from a Samaritan town, and now he's talking to a Samaritan woman. <laughs> and I bet the woman was shocked uh, that <laughs> I'm sure he, she was. He was talking. Yeah, uh, you kind of wonder too: is, is this woman like? Is this guy hitting on me? Is right. he a creep? Is he? Yeah. Why is he here? Sure. Um, why is why is he alone at this point? And also, she's drawing water by herself, which yeah. shows she's probably somewhat of an outcast. Yeah, um, might read that into the text, but it's possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she says, how is it that a Jew, you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Yeah. Um, So she's... How how profound, (laughs) you know, I mean, to think that here Jesus is. I mean, he could have uh, just gone on the other side of the Jordan and Mm -hmm. through Priya and and avoided the whole situation, but he's on a mission. Mm -hmm. And the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I just want to take a moment. Yeah, go ahead. And comment the contrast between mm. John 3 and John 4, mm. because you have Nicodemus. Very intentional, I think. <laughs> Very intentional. And, and you stop and think about her. She seems indifferent mm. uh, to Jesus. Nicodemus is investigating him. I mean, he's probably dispatched um, from the, the headquarters to find out who is this guy. 
she was of doubtful character. I mean, obviously you've had five husbands and he was a respected teacher, the teacher in Israel. Uh, she's a Samaritan. He was a Jew. But again, the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. to, to come on through this region, break some religious norms, not not biblical norms, but certainly what the um, Pharisees and others held to. He He's going to go and rescue people, and he's not going to let anybody deter him from that. And, and we we always look at the human side, but you think the the divine side, here's Jesus, yeah. and we're told he created all things. All mm-hmm. things were made through him. Uh, that's how we know he wasn't a created being because mm-hmm. he created all things right. and you can't create yourself. So um, since he created the Samaritans, he sees value in them, mm-hmm. where I think sometimes we need that kind of God eyesight, you mm-hmm. know, step back and say, yeah. God made us all just a human race and uh, we need to get along. Mm-hmm. So here she is. She's shocked. And Jesus answered. And I always wondered, what was her response to this? Because mm-hmm. it almost sounds like it's from a human standpoint, this is a very arrogant statement. Yeah. Only God can make this statement. <laughs> you know, if I was to go up to you and say, if you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Yeah. You would say, wow, you're full of yourself. But uh, obviously, this is God himself mm-hmm. who says this. And the woman had no idea what yeah. the gift of God was. Yeah. She didn't understand she was talking to the Messiah at this point. Right. Um, and he is the one who was bringing her eternal life, mm. the gift of salvation, yeah. later the Holy Spirit, and also eternal life. So if she knew Jesus's true identity, mm-hmm. she would have asked him for more than physical water. Mm-hmm. She'd ask for the living water of salvation. Yeah, it's um, the text bears this out that she's clueless. Yeah. Uh, if you knew the gift of God... Yeah. Um, it's a second-class condition, assuming the statement not to be true. The, the idea here is you don't get you this. Don't, yeah. You don't understand this. And like Nicodemus, who stays focused on the physical and can't get through uh, to the spiritual, this lady is going to do pretty yeah. much the same thing. And I, I get think it? Uh, yeah. it would be difficult if you just met Jesus for the first time. Yeah. You've yeah. had three sentences, four. <laughs> so sadly, just like Nicodemus, though, she misses yeah. Jesus's point. That's John is all about missed points. Yeah. However, she's not stupid. Uh, mm-hmm. She's trying to figure out what Jesus is saying. Absolutely. Uh, she's not grasping that Jesus was making a spiritual point, mm-hmm. but she thought he was talking about physical things. Mm. So, sir, said the woman in verse 11, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. <laughs> okay. She missed the point completely. Right. So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as his sons, as well as his sons and livestock. Um, I always look at Jesus at his patience. Mm -hmm. He didn't throw up his hands and say, all these people are stupid. (laughs) Because he's constantly making points and no one gets a clue of what he's saying. Um, Jesus could have had made a smart remark about knowing Jacob. Mm -hmm. Um, We believe, I believe, that uh, he was the angel who wrestled with Jacob. And... uh, they wrestled, and a wonderful story, I just taught it. Jacob's going to meet his brother. He's scared to death, mm-hmm. and uh, he's praying. Basically, he's to the point that he's broken, mm-hmm. and he's praying to God, saying, hey, I need you. That's right. My brother's over there. Last time I saw him, he wanted to kill me. He has 400 men with him. I'm in big trouble. That's right. So then this angel appears, who he later identifies as God, mm-hmm. and uh, they start uh, 
Jacob says, basically, you bless me. And the angel just keeps on walking. And he's like, you bless me. So they get into a fight about it where he's wrestling God for his blessing. Mm. Then he's renamed Israel. Mm-hmm. And then um, he said, basically, I've seen God. <laughs> so uh, he Jesus has all this history, but uh, he's a wise man and he stays silent. That's right. He didn't go off on tangents with that. So he doesn't make any smart remarks, but uh, he's going to go and just try to get this woman saved. He's, I'm impressed yeah. because... We take things so personal. Oh, yeah. I do. I mean, when somebody says something that goes at you, mm-hmm. uh, verse 12, are you greater than Jacob? And the implication is from the text, no, you're no. not. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm stepping back on, you just insulted me. Yeah. He will not get off point. Mm-hmm. He just stays with it because he has a message to bring. He won't let people sidetrack him. He won't let people flatter him into movement in the wrong direction. He just stays on it. And it's so encouraging to us because we deal with a lot in ministry. And to know that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem eventually, and he's he's going to do it, it just reminds us we have a mission and just stay on point and let the, the comments come, let people do what they need to do. Just keep focused on giving people truth. Then be ready for smart remarks and insults for people who don't get it or don't like you. So um, verse 13, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, he's drinking, speaking of the well water (laughs) right there. Mm -hmm. So anyone who drinks of that, but verse 14, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. So Jesus is giving a simple illustration, but very profound. He is saying that the soul that places their faith in him will never thirst. That soul will be satisfied. He is offering the gift of salvation, which brings eternal life. And I think that's the thing uh, we should never take for granted Mm. as Christians Mm -hmm. is we are satisfied. Mm -hmm. Um, We understand we are saved (laughs) when we know him. And uh, that should just give us a peace. You know, it's that thirsty soul. So, uh, sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Once again, is she sincere? Is she Mm -hmm. sarcastic? We have no idea. But uh, it seems like she's somewhat interested at this point. She's kind of Mm -hmm. really interested in what he is saying. Uh, Mm -hmm. However, she's still focused on her physical needs. Mm -hmm. Um, She's really saying, hey, give me this water if it really exists. Or, uh, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. But uh, she doesn't understand. Uh, Jesus, the one who knows the hearts of all, decides to point out her personal sin and show her the need for this spiritual water. So Jesus totally redirects the conversation at this point. He says, go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. Mm -hmm. You have said correctly, I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you have had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. <laughs> you know, the introductory comment to Nicodemus in John 2, 25, where he knew what was in man. This woman, he knows all about her and it's going to come out. But it's amazing in both evangelistic accounts, three and four, chapters three and four, he just, he knows people. Oh. And he knows how to approach him, and he might approach him differently, but he's trying to take them all to the same place. Kind of horrifying, because this woman is revealed for who she is. I love her response, sir. The woman replied, 
I see you are a prophet. <laughs> a no stranger just knows all these facts. Exactly. Um, who knows? Maybe the sixth person she's with or this other person she's with is uh, a secret affair or whatever, and he just knows about it. So um, I think as Christians, obviously different from this woman, but we should always remember that Jesus knows us and he knows everything we try to hide. Yeah. So it's so foolish to try to hide. Notice how she tries to deflect the conversation mm -hmm. away from her personal guilt by focusing on her prejudice. Yeah. So here she is. She's just revealed for mm -hmm. kind of being an immoral creep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and right. um, she's going to start talking about worship. Yeah. <laughs> just It's kind of an interesting <laughs> deflection. Right. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, I know you're in sin. Well, I go to a better church than you do. You know, exactly. type of thing. Exactly. So she says, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you Jews, yeah. okay, so it's you Jews, mm -hmm. say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. uh, Ken Gangle writes, to turn the conversation away from her personal mor morals, she raises what may have been the most important distinction in the Jewish and Samaritan theology, right. the place of worship. Yeah. So the Jews worshipped at the temple in Jerusalem, obviously, mm -hmm. and the Samaritans worshipped at Mount Gerizim. Mm -hmm. uh, and why is that? Just real quick history here. The Jews believed the entire Old Testament, thankfully. Yes. So they obeyed 2 Chronicles 7.12, in which God told Solomon that Israel would worship him at the temple in Jerusalem. So they followed, they obeyed. The Samaritans only believed the first five books of the Old Testament. Mm. So they worshiped God on Mount Gerizim, the place they believe Abraham offered Isaac. Mm -hmm. That's their tradition. Mm -hmm. It is also one of the mountains which Moses pronounced the blessings and cursing from. Mm. The other one was Mount Ebal. That's right. So uh, when I was researching this, even to this day, Samaritans still keep the Passover and sacrifice sheep on those mountains. Mm -hmm. So they still dress up, they mm -hmm. go, they kill their sheep, and they keep the Passover a festival there. Um, so things haven't really changed. No. <laughs> No. Um, just very interesting. So our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, mm -hmm. but you Jews say that the place to worship is Jerusalem. How does Jesus respond? He says, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yeah. At the time of Jesus' death, the veil to the temple was cut in two and the law was fulfilled. Right, Thus there was no need to worship at the temple. Yeah. Also in Acts chapter 2, the church would be born and they would worship what, at whatever location they were at. Mm. Jesus would then explain that the Samaritans did not worship in truth, mainly because they rejected most of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. But the Jews did worship correctly. Mm -hmm. Jesus was also Jewish, and he would offer salvation to all. And that is why he says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. Yeah. We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. Mm. Um, and I think obviously he's referring to himself there. Yes. Obviously the blessings of Abraham, the covenant, so forth. But I think there's the deeper meaning is he is Jewish man and he's coming to save them. Um, and then, but the hour is coming and is now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Um, it's so important to worship God who is a spirit in both spirit and truth. And this right. is where a lot of people get off. And this is vital to the faith. Mm. Um, to worship in spirit means that your body, soul, and spirit are fully engaged in worship. Mm -hmm. It's not just an academic exercise. Right. It's yeah. 
It's the real, it's your spirit. It's who you are mm-hmm. is truly engaged. Uh, to worship in truth means that you're using good doctrine and theology when you worship. Mm. Because I know a lot, there's a lot of genres, flavors, whatever you want to say of Christianity that boy, they engage in spirit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, the truth just is exactly. not there. Yeah. And then there's others that you go to a worship service and it's just completely dead mm-hmm. and no feeling they're worshiping in truth, but the spirit is just exactly. blah. And it's, the spirit's obviously way more than emotion. Mm-hmm. It's being truly engaged in your worship, though. The whole concept of spirit, too, takes away limitation of place mm. because since it's in spirit, I mean, it can be anywhere yeah. now. And that, that's a beautiful thing. But I think you nail it uh, because... It's so out of balance what we see. Yeah. Uh, there's just that cold, I'm going to teach truth, and I'm the only one who knows truth, and they go through, and it's as dead as a doornail, yeah. or others who are bouncing off the wall, so to speak, and nothing is uh, based upon truth. It's just all emotion and, and feel. And it's just like, no, you, you've got to have it's in spirit, and it's in truth, and that's the only time you you have genuine worship. Yeah. And I notice it's must worship that's right um it's not an option yeah so uh we gotta remind our congregations you gotta mm-hmm. be engaged in spirit and both truth yeah um and that's vital so we could spend the whole hour on that topic but we'll keep moving mm-hmm. uh the woman said to him i know that the messiah is coming who is called christ mm-hmm. when he comes he will explain everything to yeah. us jesus told her I am the one speaking to you. I, the one speaking to you, am he. Mm. Uh, Jesus plainly declares to the woman that he's Messiah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's your statement. <laughs> Agui me. I am. Yeah. It's, when I'm walking on the water and he's looking, yeah. I, I am. He's the eternal one. He's telling her in no uncertain yeah. terms, uh, taking even her back to the Pentateuch uh, with uh, Deuteronomy, knowing she held to that book. It talked about the prophet who would oh. come in chapter 18. Here he is, and now he's saying, I am the prophet. I I am the Messiah. You mean it wasn't Muhammad? <laughs> exactly. he, he claims that for himself. Yeah, but, why not? Uh, he yeah. was wrong. Why yeah, not? Yeah, he that's right. cleared everything. Yeah. But uh, so Jesus says he is the Messiah. Yeah. That's another thing I picked up from studying is the mm-hmm. Jews kind of viewed their Messiah as the conquering hero yeah. fighting yeah. Where the Samaritans viewed, in general, their mm-hmm. Messiah more coming, explaining things, a little bit more biblical. Right. Um. So you know mm-hmm. they're not both one hundred percent right, right, but uh, it, it's it's just interesting when mm-hmm. you see it. Yeah. Why does Jesus say? Well, I think being in a Gentile region, you could call it a Gentile region, basically. Mm-hmm. Um. He wasn't worried that they would start a revolt and try to make him king. Yeah. <laughs> Where if he plainly declared that in a Jewish mm-hmm. um, scenario. Yeah. Either Rome would come in and execute him that's right. or uh, a, a lot of stuff would happen. Mm. So I think that's why Jesus keeps it a secret for such a long time mm-hmm. or tries because mm-hmm. he knows his time wasn't yet. Um, it wasn't his time to be revealed as Messiah mm-hmm. until he rides in there, you know, to, on the donkey. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, 27, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yeah. I always like this statement. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or what are you talking with her? Why mm. are you talking with her? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're just as confused as the woman was. Why Why is the Jesus, you know, our good rabbi talking with this dirty, filthy woman? Mm. So they were learning. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, the woman was shocked earlier. Why is this man talking to me? Yeah. So then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people. Yeah. I think this is just an eyewitness detail from John. Mm-hmm. She's so shocked. She just kind of puts down, I mean, if you walked all this distance out to get your water, you're going to bring your water back. Yeah. So you can tell she's just amazed. Mm-hmm. And then I love the statement, uh, Barry John's statement. Come and see. Uh, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Mm-hmm. Could this be the Messiah? Yeah. Then they left the town and made their way to him. Uh, this woman's testimony would bring salvation to many Samaritans. Yeah, uh, We're not going to look at the second half of this text today. Sure. We're going to save that for next podcast. But um, because of this woman, many people would be saved. So uh, we'll see what happens when the woman returns and Jesus talks about the harvest. But uh, You have clearly two purposes. He wants to lead her to himself, yeah, yeah. and he does that. But then he also wants to have her bring others yeah. And that happens also. And I love the next passage, so we'll look in that next time. Um, We looked at the historical implications, so Mm -hmm. now let's look at our employment, Mm -hmm. the timeless truths that we can apply from this passage. Uh, It's not enough just to know facts and figures, but we really got to see, okay, what can I do with this? Um, If not, it's pretty lame. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Then it's just story time. Mm -hmm. Jesus offered salvation to an outcast. Mm -hmm. Jesus knew how sinful the bad Samaritan was. Mm-hmm. He knew of her immorality and bad theology, yet he still talked to her. Mm-hmm. Jesus was willing to go against cultural norms in order to offer salvation to a racist, immoral, sarcastic outcast. Mm. <laughs> Fun person. So a yeah. question, if you're listening to this, you should ask yourself, am I like Jesus who used his time and energy to reach out to an outcast to offer salvation? Mm-hmm. So do we only look for people that we like or do we go to the outcast? And thoughts. How many social outcasts do I know? Mm -hmm. Am I willing to offer them salvation, even though it might cause me to have an uncomfortable and difficult conversation Mm -hmm. with them? Mm -hmm. It wasn't a pleasant conversation. No, that's right. She insults him, then he points out the truth about her, then she challenges him. But at the end, it led to salvation. Exactly. Jesus placed the spiritual before the physical. We Mm -hmm. see this time and time again. Jesus was tired, hungry, and thirsty, Mm. yet he took time to convert an unsaved soul. Uh, He wasn't grouchy. Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Some of us, if this woman would appear, she would just be like, oh, talk to me after I eat. Yeah. Leave me alone. I'm tired. I've done ministry. Mm -hmm. But he took time. Jesus focused on the woman's spiritual needs over his own comfort and desire for water and rest. Mm. Questions I need to ask myself. Oh, because if you notice, he never got the water in the passage. (laughs) She left, so uh, he's still sitting there hungry and thirsty, but uh, it was worth it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So question you should ask yourself, do I minister for Christ when I am uncomfortable or only when it is easy and convenient? Mm -hmm. I think one of the worst things, and I think you would echo this, is that most people think all ministry happens inside a church. That's right. Because it's convenient. You know, people come. You minister to them, then you all go home. Mm-hmm. It's easy to a degree yeah. in the sense that you're not getting people. And it's convenient because you're in an air-conditioned or heated building, mm-hmm. especially if you're in America. And uh, But do we minister when it's uncomfortable? And I think that's a question we all need to ask ourselves. You and I have done funerals together. Yes. And we sit there sometimes during the first part of the, the service 
and listen to people give their stories about the person oh. and you're sitting there and you're cringing uh, <laughs> because it's just so many horrible things shared. And the, But you've seen it. We've mm. done it. When it's our time, you, mm. you walk into the middle of the room and you just, you give them truth. Oh. I can't honestly say uh, that's like the maximum um, insecure place to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what Jesus does. Yeah. So often he draws people in the middle of the room and he says, okay, you're here to set me up. You know, here's the man yeah. with the withered hand. I'm I'm going to let everybody see it. And here's the truth. Yeah. And, and we proclaim it. And you have to do this and you have to be willing to be out of your comfort zone and to be uncomfortable because we represent him yeah. and we bring the lost, defiled, filthy people the truth because we needed it ourselves. So then uh, a thought. How often do I step up in church and volunteer to do hard, uncomfortable work or ministry? Yeah. Am I lazy? Mm. Do I only do ministry when it's easy on me? Mm -hmm. you know, most people, they'll do ministry if it's a free day mm -hmm. or if they have extra time. Um, I kind of want those people, and we have those types of people at church that they're willing to sacrifice. Yeah. And if they're willing to sacrifice, those are the people I want with me to minister yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then finally, our, our third uh, our third truth, all must worship God in spirit and truth. Jesus made it clear to the woman that she must worship God in both spirit and truth. Mm. After all, that is the kind of worship with God desires. Uh, yeah. He doesn't need mood lighting. He doesn't need a 500-person choir. He doesn't need any of those things. Are you worshiping him in spirit and truth? Mm -hmm. And I think he's glorified by that. Absolutely. Question I need to ask myself, do I worship God in spirit and truth, or do I focus on one aspect and not the other? Yeah. It's a balance, you know? So I'm um, thought. When listening to Christian music, do I evaluate the lyrics to make sure they are truthful? At church, am I passionate when I worship, or do I look like I hate being there? Mm -hmm. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people, mm -hmm. not a lot, but some, and I've been yeah. guilty of this, uh, you're at church, you're listening to a song, and you don't like the song. Not because it's wrong. Obviously, if it's mm -hmm. bad doctrine, you know, don't sing it. I've been in services where mm. um, the song they're singing is just wrong, and I just stand there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I won't sing. But I'm talking about maybe a song because it's a hymn you don't like or a mm -hmm. contemporary song you don't care for that's solid. You just mm -hmm. don't like it. Um I think we need to get over our preferences and really worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah, I, I think that's important. It's not about us. Mm -hmm. you know? And then uh, this brings us to our main question. What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? To worship the Lord with a focused and genuine passion that is based upon the truth of God's word. Yeah. And I'm going to say it just one more time because I think it's so important, especially as we come on Sunday to worship the Lord or whenever it is. Mm -hmm. To worship the Lord with a focused and genuine passion that is based upon the truth of God's yeah. word. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, do you have any uh, quotes, comments? Yeah, just uh, I was pondering um, your employment points here, which I think just come from the text. You are our song leader. You are our worship leader. And you do such an excellent job because you really work through the songs to make sure that they are representative of God's word. Mm. So when we come to worship, we have confidence that we can worship in spirit and in truth. 
Uh, I recall being in your position in the sense of not a worship leader, but a youth pastor. And I had uh, looked at some of the contemporary Christian music out there. And I took three weeks and just looked at the lyrics and was uh, horrified wow. how many are not Christian. Mm. Uh, your mom and I took a, a, a group of young people uh, to West Virginia on a retreat and did a music seminar. <laughs> and it's, it was based on a Psalm 43 that he has put a new song mm. in my mouth, even praise to our God. Many shall see it in fear and trust in the Lord. We had the privilege to lead a couple uh, to Christ back then, but it was all predicated on truth and teaching people to worship in spirit yeah. and in truth. Which I, is vital. You know, I've cut out many songs, yeah. um, both old and new. Sure. And it's surprising how many hymns, mm -hmm. especially when you get to the kingdom millennium. That's right. That are just like those You're people right. were out to lunch with some, yeah, they were. some of their theology yeah. with that. Or uh, some of the new songs that mm. is uh, so me-focused. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Jesus is only thinking of me. Right. I was like, no, he was thinking of the Father. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was obeying the Father, and thankfully the Father was thinking of me. But, you know, don't mix up the Father and Son. You That's know, right. the Father wasn't on the cross. The Holy Spirit wasn't on the cross. It was Jesus. So, mm -hmm. uh, But that could be a whole podcast in and above itself mm -hmm. on uh, music because uh, it's a wonderful gift from God. That's but right. uh, we have to make sure it's in spirit and truth. So um, that was the 10th podcast, Jesus and the Bad Samaritan, mm -hmm. unofficially. Jesus mm -hmm. and the Woman at the Well, which is taken from John 4, 4 yeah. through 30. We'll see you next time as we finish out this passage. Um, I'm Pastor Kenny Burge Jr., and I was joined by Dr. Ken Burge mm -hmm. Sr. We'll see you next time.